Today we're in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, on the subject of making eternal investments. But rather than starting at verse 19, I'm actually going to take you a little earlier, and we're going to pick it up at verse 16, which is not officially part of the message, but I want to include this because it addresses the subject of fasting. Matthew 6. Oh, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Verse 16 says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Friends, there's a promise of a reward for those who will do these disciplines. Don't take the words of Jesus lightly. Now let's carry on. Picking up at verse 19. Do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Verse 22, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. So, yes, you figured out what we're talking about this morning, managing money. Or all of our resources, really, to use the church word for it, stewardship. It's a nice church word we have. Jesus taught, though, directly about money, and he used freely, he used financial language in other parables that weren't even about money. You deal with money every single day of your life, whether you think about it or not. And because God loves you, God wants you to succeed in this area as well. So we need to talk about this here so we can follow Jesus in this vital area. Did you know money is not evil? Wealth is not evil. Rich people are not evil. At least, they're not evil for having money. How they got it might be another story. (laughs) That's not ours to judge. But just because someone has money, that is no indication of bad character. Dollars are like bricks. Dollars are like bricks. With a brick, you you can help build a cathedral or you can smash a window. The potential of the brick is determined by the heart and actions of the one who holds it. Now, of course, biblical stewardship includes more than money, more than dollars. The Bible teaches, for example, that every believer has been given a spiritual gift through the Holy Spirit. Gifts like teaching, administration, service, prophecy, speaking in tongues, healing, and yes, even giving. How we use those gifts is stewardship or time. Time is another precious resource. 
we get 24 and only 24 hours in each and every single day. 168 hours in a week, 8,760 hours in a year, or in the case of 2016, 8,784 hours in the year. Only not one of those hours is guaranteed. You don't know if you'll live tomorrow, let alone through next week or next year or the next decade. What are we doing with what we have been given right now? That's stewardship. The word stewardship from the word steward, a manager, it might better be called a a servant in charge. A servant in charge. You and I are all stewards of the resources in our care. Time and money and the environment and opportunities and relationships and even the very words of our lips are all ours to steward well. The Bible teaches that everything belongs to God And all we have is actually a gift from Him to manage. To be a Christian is to follow Jesus with your whole life. Church on Sunday is a good start. But Jesus is Lord at work and school and at home as well. It's not enough to say, well, I'm... I make it about 45 Sundays a year, so I think I can let some of these other areas slide. It doesn't work that way. To follow Jesus means I'm learning, and we are all a work in progress, trust me. I am learning to yield every area of my life to Jesus as Lord, leader, king, master, savior, and friend. But stewardship of money is where the proverbial rubber meets the road most quickly, most immediately. So let's see what Jesus teaches. Let's go back again. Verse 19. We've got that on screen. Let's read it one more time. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then let's read this one together. Ready? Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Hmm. You ever been the victim of a house break in? Or a car break in, or you had your car stolen. Anybody? Yeah. Most of us. Right? We were seminary students, and in that two years, we lived at CCRMRS, the residential services, Mennonite residential services. My car was either stolen or broken into seven times in a two-year period. Seminary students. Didn't help that that car, you could use any key to get into it. We lived like church mice. Oh. Did you have a nice TV that died? Wow. One of you told me the story of getting a nice new TV and one of the kids was playing and flung a toy and it hit the screen. Did you ever have to get your house tested or treated for termites? And that house where Becky and I lived during seminary one morning we were lying in bed looking at the wall and there was a little termite's head poking out the sheetrock if any of those things are true for you know exactly what Jesus is talking about stuff wears out it's temporary 
and it disappoints. Oh, remember the first time you really saved up to buy something, something really good, or maybe even borrowed money for it, which is even harder to talk about now, only to find out it was not as good as you thought that computer or that purse or that coat or that sofa or that truck or that trip to Europe, and it just didn't deliver quite the way you thought it would. Jesus reminds us that anything you can buy or save or hold on to is absolutely temporary. At best, you'll have it until you die. And then what? Here's where Jesus reveals a remarkable kingdom secret. You know the sayings, right? You can't take it with you and there's no U-Haul behind a hearse. Maybe you heard about the selfish rich man drawing his last breaths, who from his deathbed growled to his wife, I worked hard all my life. I made a lot of money. And when I die, I'm taking it with me. I've instructed in my will that you put all my money with me in the casket. And so at the funeral, she did just that. She said her last farewell, farewells, kissed him sweetly on the forehead, and discreetly, discreetly slipped a blank check into his pocket. Here's the kingdom secret. You can take it with you. You can take it with you. It must be important. Oh, now everybody knows it was you, Mary. Oh, it was you. Oh, oh Anne-Marie's taking the fall for you. Anytime that happens in church, you just say, you've got to get to church right now. (laughs) You can take it with you if, if you send it on ahead. You can take it with you if you send it on ahead. Now, how amazing is this? How amazing is this? God allows you to earn money here in this life, or maybe you'll inherit money someone else earned, and instead of just spending it or hoarding it, you can use it in ways that credits your eternal account there in heaven. Earn it here, enjoy it there. You can actually take this money and convert it to heavenly treasure. That's the promise of Jesus. Some people, listen carefully, friends, some people will enjoy a better eternity than others. Because of how they prepared in this life. We don't want to hear that. We just want to, oh no, it's all going to be perfect for everybody. But Jesus talks about rewards and he talks about some that will have great rewards. Based on how we invested on earth. Now how do you do that? How do you, how do you handle that? Well, by spending your treasure on kingdom concerns. By letting the Holy Spirit direct how you spend how you give, how you give your money, how you give your time, how you give your talent. As Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where you'll find your heart. That's where your heart will also be. If you trust him, it's not hard to do. Right? But if you trust yourself, giving is not done freely. Because you look at what you have and you realize, this is probably not going to be enough. I better hang on to it all. It's all counterintuitive in the kingdom. Now, I'm not suggesting an oath of poverty. Not at all. We all need food and shelter and clothing and health care and transportation. And if possible, some education and some recreation too. There's no sin on taking a vacation or having an RV or driving a decent car. 
The Bible says we're to enjoy food and life and the world around us. It teaches you to take care of your family. That it's prudent to plan ahead. Even that you should not give so much as to put yourself in a position of hardship. The Bible teaches all those things. But what we're talking about here is making God's kingdom of first concern. A first value and investment of not allowing the things of this world to become an idol for us. That we cling so tightly that we couldn't give it away when asked. Some of us give more to Comcast Cable or Tahoe Joe's than we've ever given to the Lord. Some of us spend only on ourselves and never on others. And even when we do give, some of us tithe to the dime or we tip a waitress to the penny instead of just round it up and just live generously. Trust God. He'll take care of you. Because it all shows where our heart is. Our heart is found nestled sweetly in our treasure. So are you living for earthly accumulation or for heavenly treasure? And Jesus moves on to a couple of Honestly, these are obscure verses, verses 22 and 23. Let's read those on screen as well. Your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So it's like you feel like Jesus is making this kind of abrupt shift. Like, what, where are you going with Jesus? This seems kind of out of the flow of what you're talking about. Well, what we take in through our eyes influences the light or darkness within us. Let's put it this way. Your eyes will lead you, so be mindful of where you look. Your eyes will lead you, so be mindful of where you look. It's like the little Sunday school song from many years ago. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, right? See, Jesus is still on the subject of money and resources as he talks about this. He's talking about Focus. He's talking about what you're looking at, where your gaze is. Uh, Jesus said, if your eye is good, commentators say that the word good, the Greek word good in its various forms can also mean singular or loyalty or generous. In other words, when you look with singularity and generosity toward the things of God, it's as though your whole life is illuminated. Right? Uh, You know, let me ask this. Did you ever meet a generous person that you didn't like or admire or appreciate in some way? Generous people kind of turn the light on in a room, don't they? Their whole body is full of light. They might drive you crazy because to good European work ethic Mennonite frugality thinking people like you and me, they seem reckless and crazy and unwise and short-sighted. But the whole point of this passage is that life is short and our most long-range view is still short-sighted relative to eternity. Those of you north of 70 or 80 will probably agree with me. You wonder, how did that all go by so quickly? So where you look is where you will be likely to invest. So, for example, I cannot watch one of those slow-motion Chevy truck commercials without thinking, you know, the kind where it's just, and the dirt spraying out the side, and you're like, oh, I need a Chevy truck. A new one with a big, you know, 12.9 cubic 
leader, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I need. When in fact, my old Toyota minivan is just fine. For now. Your eyes will lead you, so be careful where you look. Resist comparisons. Well, so-and-so has this. Well, my neighbors have that. Well, I'm this age, so I should own this by now. Forget that. Keep your eyes on the kingdom. And then we finish with this well-known verse, verse 24. One more on screen. Let's read this one together. Ready? Go. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or they'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Wow. If you've ever worked a job with multiple competing supervisors, you know exactly how this goes. Here's the point. Who you serve is your choice, but you have to choose. Who you serve is your choice, but you have to choose. Money is a terrible master. It always appeals to your desire for more. It wants you to be restless and dissatisfied. As a master, money doesn't want you to share, doesn't want you to be generous. It leaves you feeling powerless in your life, always just one paycheck away from broke. One reason I'm such a big fan of the Financial Peace University class uh, is because it teaches you to become a boss of your money as God becomes the boss of you. It's not really your money. It's your money to manage. You can't really secure your future. You can prepare well and be prudent. But we're talking about learning ways to choose who will be your master. Will money be your master? Worldly wealth? Or will God be your master? You see, if you listen to the people around you or read the trolls on the internet, you realize that most people don't think they serve God or money, but just themselves. But as Bob Dylan sang so well, I think it's 37 years ago, well, it may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. When money is your master, it dictates how you relate to God. When God is your master, He directs how to relate with money how to use it well, how to be a blessing with it, how to prepare for eternity with it. Which master, money or God, do you think has your best interest at heart? Thankfully, you're not a slave. You get to choose. I wonder which it will be. You see, life in the kingdom is so upside down. You give your life away so you can have it. You, you give away your resources now so you can enjoy them later. You die to yourself so that you can live. That's how the kingdom works. I feel a little bit like I'm almost preaching to the choir this morning because Bethany is a generous church in so many ways. But I don't even want our generosity, even our generosity can become an idol. We don't want to give to get. We don't want to give so people notice. We don't want to give to get attention. We want to live in a way that we're focused not on today, but on all of eternity. That's what Jesus is talking about. Don't worry so much about this life. And you can read the rest of chapter 6 as he goes more into that. Don't worry so much about this life. Think about what's to come, what's ahead. 
Use the resources you have now to prepare well for all eternity. So I'm going to close with an illustration that you may have seen before, particularly if you're a fan of Francis Chan. And as I do this, the ushers are actually going to make um, something available to you. I've got four ushers that are, are, I've got four baskets that are going to go around. And um, we've got a full house today, so, uh, but I think we have enough for everybody. So take one item out of the basket and just hold it. What I have here is a rope. And this rope represents the timeline of your life. Now, this rope has two ends, but I want you to imagine that it has just one. In fact, Crystal, can you be an assistant for me here? What I would like for you to do is just hold this rope right here. And this timeline of your life, it just goes and goes and goes. Just think about this. This is your... This is your life, except, Crystal, hold that red part up. That red part represents your life on the earth. And everything else represents the millions of years to come. It goes and goes and goes and just keeps on going. Most people, Crystal, will you hold that red part up again? See that little red bit on the end of that rope? Most people live their whole life thinking only about the little red piece. That's what their life's about. They're not bad people for thinking that. I'm not, we're talking about good people, good citizens, well-managed. Thank you, Crystal. Well-managed folks. People like me. People like you that focused on this and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my education. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to spend my life working because, because I want to make sure that last little bit there, boy, that part's going to be good. Oh, that part's going to be so great. We're going to see the world. And, but you know, that's pretty short, isn't it? Compared to the rest of it. And here's what we forget. The quality of all of this is based on what we do with this. What you do here determines how much you'll enjoy there. Some of you thought, man, that Bethlehem thing wore me out. It's too hard. What you were doing is taking some a little bit of time and energy, effort and skill, investing it here so you enjoy it there. One of you says, children's ministry, nursery, forget it. That's for someone else. Awana, tithing, supporting a missionary, joining the Belize team and being a part of that, although it's too late now, you can just get to support the team. When a, when a student writes you a support letter saying, I'm going on a trip this summer to serve the Lord in another country. Will you please help? You get to say, yes. If you've built some margin in your life, you say, yes, I can. Because every time I use this well, I'm preparing 
for all of that. And some people say, I, I can't think about that because I just can only think about this. That's unbelievably short-sighted. Because not only is that unwise, you actually don't even know how long this red part's going to be. Some of you know that better than others. Some of you have walked that path of grief with, with your own loved ones. And church, I'm telling you, let's not be afraid to say, I'm going to invest. I'm going to give. I'm looking at David Friesen right now who just came back from Mali in the midst of one of the craziest places in the world. We think, Dave, you're crazy. You're crazy. Why don't you just stay here and do something nice and safe? Because he says, because it's going to matter for all time. The Lord might prompt you something this week. The Lord might prompt you to give or to go or to pray or to fast or something. And you're going to have the opportunity to say, Lord, I'm I'm going to do what you ask. Because I don't want to just store up treasure here. I want to take what what you've given me and I want to store it there. Don't just say, oh, it's just... I'll just be happy to be saved. That's good enough for me. Why would you settle for that? Why wouldn't you say, wow, God's given me an amazing opportunity. Some of you young people are, are so worried right now about what your future is going to be and how, what degree you're going to get, where you're going to get a job. Can you just choose to live in the flow of, of allowing the Lord to lead you and, and get through that degree and, and, and take some risks and some chances and let the Lord do something different? You can send your parents to me. I'll talk to them because they're freaking out. Except you two. <laughs> I've given you a little piece of rope. It's got a little bit of red on the end. A little bit of more of white. And I want you to take that. Use it as a bookmarker. Put it in your vehicle. Hold it in your pocket. I want you in some way to let that remind you. What am I doing with the rest of my life? going to matter forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reminder today that you've been really generous and gracious with us. You don't demand from us. You give us an opportunity. We don't, we don't give into some black hole. You're an amazing Father that you say, look, you can give and you're going to enjoy it later. You are, you are, that's a brilliant plan, God. You're generous with us. You don't ask us to give as a burden, but as a, as a privilege. You don't ask us to serve as a, as a duty, but as a, as a special opportunity and privilege. God, I'm asking that you'd move in each and every heart today. Move in my heart, God. Lord, those things that I just hold on to too tightly, those things that are, are just way too precious to me. God, would you help me to give her those things that, 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 that are just meaningless. And God, we want to live for the long road. We want to live for eternity. Present now, but with eternity in mind.